This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast uh, with Brian and Kim Walker. Kim, why don't you introduce our guest today? When we were seeking sponsors for the show, working with CARM, and we're talking to different people, when the name RepairPal came up, I got super excited because um, we were a RepairPal customer way back in the day. So today, we have the pleasure of having Kathleen Long on with us from RepairPal. So one, thank you for being our sponsor. And it also just gives us the chance to spend some time with her and talk about some of the myths that are out there about using RepairPal. So I'm excited to spend time with her, Brian. Um, Brian, you've never really spent time with Kathleen before, have you? No. Yeah. And Kathleen, I was thinking about, you know, we haven't spent a ton of time together, but I've certainly met you multiple times. And I think that the first time I ever met you was at, drumroll, a Women in Auto Care event many years ago. And so thank you for coming on with us today, taking time out of your super busy schedule. I know you are all over the place, so we're excited to have you today. Absolutely. I'm delighted to be here. And of course, it's great to see you again, Kim. And I'm excited to spend time with Brian as well. And speaking of women in auto care, didn't you just get an award? I did. Yes. Uh, So that was so thrilling for me. And look, awards are always nice. We're human. We like acknowledgement. And so that was beautiful. But the thing that I really love about it is the reason why they awarded me with Woman of Excellence is really for my work around empowering other women in the industry and really standing um, on principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which are really important to me. I believe that's the sort of overarching reason why I kind of fell backwards into the automotive industry is because I'm here to be a voice and make sure everybody feels like they have a place in this industry. So to have an award that, you know, it corresponds with the work that I do really means a lot to me and I uh, I feel awesome about it. So thank you for mentioning it. Congratulations for that. Yeah, we were there. We were there for that. And with Kathleen here with us today, it's going to be a great podcast. So when we're talking to people about RepairPal, we've heard the same things. And so there are some myths, we'll call them, about what it's like to use RepairPal when you are an automotive repair shop. So with that being said, One of the things that I'm excited about when we have Kathleen on, um, because we've done a lot of communication with Jamie, who is amazing for those who know her. She's been super great to work with. But having you here, you have the, the whole picture. Not that Jamie doesn't. She certainly does. But you're out and about and you're going to all of these events and these conferences. So I know that you have your ear to the ground. And you know what is being said, just like we pay attention to what is being said about our company as well. So the first thing that we really want to dig into is the idea of RepairPal setting and limiting prices and really going into whether they can charge their customers based on that. So what can you tell us? How can you dispel that myth? Yeah. So a few things here. One, and you've been with, you know, RepairPal in the early days, as you mentioned. And so one of the very first things RepairPal did um, back in the early 2000s was to create a website that really was for the benefit of the consumer, to empower them, to give them information. At this point, actually, we have over a million different unique pages of information on our website, which is a lot. 
but it's part of our strategy to really educate the consumer. So, you know, honestly, I know as a shop community, sometimes we really wish that consumers wouldn't focus so much on price. We want to talk about quality. We want to talk about the service experience. We want to talk about that car being safely on the road. And then that costs what it costs, right? But the reality is, and we know this because we're also consumers, that price matters. None of us have unlimited budgets. We can't just turn something over and hope that we can afford it. And consumers really don't have a great language around quality and auto repair. They don't know, um, generally speaking, how to ask the right questions to say, are you the shop for me? Or is this a service experience where I'm paying a fair price? And so part of the information that RepairPal has to provide to the consumer then is price related. And around that, that was where our fair price estimator was born. And we seek a variety of different inputs to calculate what we call a regionally sensitive price. And what that means is, is that it is different by zip code. So when we were chatting ahead of the program, I shared with you, I'm in Northern California. By the way, other than Hawaii, this is one of the most expensive markets for auto repair in the country. Yay me, when my car has a problem, I'm going to pay for it. And so, you know, somebody who's in, you know, the Midwest, for example, um, shouldn't be paying as much as we're paying here in the San Francisco Bay Area. The economics are different. So our estimator is regionally sensitive by zip code. And we also take in a variety of inputs from OEM data around parts. Um, We have aftermarket parts feeds. We're using labor guides similar to what shops are using to calculate hours. And so we're really across over 800 different repairs and many, many different years, makes, models, combinations for cars, including fitment information where appropriate. Um, We really go down to the trim level on some of these estimates, doing our best to calculate what we believe is a fair price and then showing a range around that. We also do our own labor rate studies of both dealers and independents nationwide, and we update our estimator at least quarterly. And so we're not attempting to price fix. What we're trying to do is actually give the customer a reasonable expectation about what they should expect. And what we find is the high quality shops that are tuned to charging fair prices and only doing, you know, the necessary and recommended repairs for consumers aren't having a problem falling within price ranges, you know, prior to to taxes and environmental fees and and that kind of thing, which we don't include in the estimator. And so really, it's not an attempt for us to price fix in any way. It's more like, let's produce that educated consumer so that actually it's a backstop for a shop who can say, look, I get that this is a necessary repair for your car, that your car is your freedom. It's how you get to work. It's how you shuttle your kids around, that it's important. And while this feels like a lot for your budget and I'm empathetic to you, it is actually a fair price. And don't take my word for it. Here's RepairPal. They can, they're an independent third party. Here's their fair price range for this repair. And so the best shops are actually using this as a tool to sell service, not the other way around. That's probably the biggest myth about RepairPal, but it's also... It's the reason that RepairPal works. It's the reason that people use RepairPal is to find out, you know, what can I expect for a price when I have a repair done? And then, you know, I've also noticed that RepairPal is really good about letting people know that, you know, there could be like additional parts or services or whatever that are in relation to the same repair, you know, that may not be, you know, figured in the estimator. That's right. And so our job is not just to present a price independent of anything, but also to say, here's some additional information. So like if someone looks up a, you know, 
a timing belt. We're going to say, look, a lot of times this comes with a water pump and here's a separate estimate for that for, you know, it's just an easy example. But also there are other factors that come into play. Oh, you're in the rust belt, your bolts are rusted on. Guess what? That's extra time. So there are factors that are kind of outside of control and based on how well the vehicle has or has not been maintained, you know, those things come into play. And I would also say, look, it's not like our estimates are 100% right 100% of the time. When shops ask me about that, I say, look, are your service advisors right 100% of the time? We're not either. We rely on our shops to really give us that input. Like, hey, we ran this estimate, you know, on this car. And I think you have a little bit of an issue here. So we can look into it and say, oh, you know, do we have a data issue? Um, Because we're algorithmically ultimately calculating what ends up being millions of estimates across all these different combinations. And so where we see we have a problem, we ask the shop to be the hero. Um, so shops in our network say, yep, I'm going to honor that price. You saw it on RepairPal. I got you. And then, you know, at RepairPal, we work to make the shop whole around that where we do find we have an issue. The good news is, is that um, we have a very, very low instance of issues. Um, I think in all of last year, we had fewer than 100 estimator claims for the whole year, which given that, you know, we're running hundreds of thousands of estimates for consumers a month is a is a super tiny fraction of, of the estimates that are being run. Yeah. One of the things that I really love about it is that you almost dispel some of those, the myths that, well, the one that we just talked about, but some that we're also going to talk about just by the title of it. It's an estimator. It's not a quote. And people get, you know, shouldn't get confused by that, but you're addressing it pretty much head on. I love the stat that you just said. I mean, that really... That really is very impressive. So congrats on that. And I learned something that I didn't know, which is how frequently you're updating that. So quarterly, I mean, that's that's a lot of updating. So that's really good. That's good for me to know because people ask me questions. You guys are our sponsors. And so it's just good information I have. Did you know that? Did you I realize did that they were? Yeah. So thanks for sharing that. One of the things that I've I've heard in conversations is I'm doing fine. Our shop is doing fine. We're getting great word of mouth. My marketing is going well. What would you say to the shop owners that that's their perception is my marketing is going well. I've got plenty of business. I get word of mouth. What would you say to them? Yeah. So look, we only work with high quality shops. So all of our shops by definition are doing fine. And I think, you know, that's an important concept. What I say to shops is, and a big part of my job is really partner development. So bringing partners like, you know, CarMax, USAA, Consumer Reports, and having them refer their customers to our shops. That's a big part of the job that I have. And the reason why I'm so passionate about my job is because I know that our shops deserve those referrals. So I tell them everywhere a consumer looks, I want them to see a RepairPal certified shop because that's where they should be going for their mid to major mechanical repair needs, period, (laughs) right? Period. I see that as a, as a mission that I have in the job that I do. But bringing leads to shops isn't the only thing that we do. It's certainly a major part of the value that we want to bring to shops. And it's important, so what, for the consumer. They can get educated on our site. They can run an estimate. But now they need a so what. They need to know where can I go where I'm going to have this high-quality experience that RepairPals talked about, where I'm going to be treated fairly, where they have a warranty that's going to protect me, all of those components that come together. And so really, as I mentioned, we're also a tool set that helps shops to sell service. Um, We're an independent third-party mark of quality as a certification network. And we are a network. So, you know, you've got a customer that's driving from California and to Chicago and their car breaks down somewhere along the way, you know, how do you know where to refer them? Our hope is that our network owners are really working together to say, oh, well, there's a RepairPal certified shop in Chicago. Let me refer my customer there. 
We have certainly seen an increase in people doing, you know, land travel in the last few years since COVID. Road trips are are back on. They are booming. You know, uh, people are mobile as well. With our uh, USAA contingent, we have quite a few consumers that are on the move every couple of years as they are serving our country. And so it's really about making sure that wherever the consumer goes, they have the help that they need. And for shops, then the benefit is that they are listed there on our site, that they can be there for consumers who need them. And it's also about driving the kind of work that the vast majority of our shops want to see. So we are very focused on the mid to major mechanical repair. So not only do we bring you know new customers in the door as a part of the value prop, but the average repair order amount that RepairPal and our partners are driving is higher than what the average repair order amount is for the typical shop. Um, because we tend to be more focused on that trust component, which really does center around, you know, the mid to major mechanical repairs. So it's really about what you want to be in industry. It's about empowering your employees with tools they can use to prove what they're saying to the customer. Um, It's about the retention, bringing the customers back. And it's about, you know, having all of these different partners who are also backstopping your community reputation. It's one thing to say, I'm a great shop, trust me. And then now RepairPal is saying that. But USAA is also saying that. And Consumer Reports is also saying that and so on and so forth. So it's really about multiple layers of value that we bring to shops, all of which I think are really, really helpful in the day-to-day operation of a shop. Yeah. And that's a great point about the higher average repair order, because I don't know of a shop owner who does not want to have a higher average repair order. It's a much better situation to be in where you were working on less cars with a higher average repair order than, you know, to be running around with your hair on fire all day with cars just in and out of the shop all day. Because I would imagine people are not as likely to go to RepairPal for a small repair because, you know, it's not something where they're as price conscious about it. But in this case, I can see where where that would absolutely, you know, be the way that it works. And as far as the people that... We've been hearing that for the last couple of years since COVID. If you're an auto repair shop owner, it is not difficult to be doing well, you know, right now in the in the state of everything. But the thing is, is, you know, like the old saying, if you're not growing, you're dying. And the best shop owners know that we're kind of in a bubble. It's not always going to be like this. So when you have the opportunity to get those clients in that can become lifelong clients, lifelong great clients, then you have to take that opportunity. It's not good enough to just say we're doing well right now and we don't need more business. Yeah, it's perfectly timed that, you know, we could have recorded this episode with you anytime, but recently, I don't know if you're in our private Facebook group, but lots of shops are in there and they're asking questions about marketing, not so much to us as just to other shop owners, um, whether they're sharing tips or whatever. And just recently, there was a big discussion in there about attracting the right customer. And you talked about the value of trustworthiness and um, how RepairPal brings that. And I know when we had our shop, before we were a RepairPal customer, we kind of associated ourselves, not kind of, but we did associate ourselves with Bosch. We were a Bosch car care center with World Pack, with ASA at the time. And, you know, those things lend to your credibility. And so when I know we have several shops that proudly have the RepairPal logo on their website, you know, they're saying, and of course, the estimator is built into that as well. 
And it just works with all that. And Brian and I are not us, our entire team. We really value preaching and practicing the whole mantra of know, like, and trust, right? You need to get your customers to know, like, and trust you. And so RepairPal obviously is a big part of that. So I think it's just a very timely discussion. Did you want to add anything to that? Yeah. I mean, I would just say, um, you know, I'm also a marketer. So as you think about marketing, what does marketing do for you? And oftentimes in our brains, we're like, well, I want to sell more service and, you know, marketing helps to bring me new customers. And certainly good marketing does do that and should do that. But there are many other things that marketing does in terms of building your community reputation. We are in a technician shortage. I just attended a webinar this morning from an executive development group that I belong to that was talking about economic conditions as we come into 2023. And it was like, look, you know, all these big tech companies are doing layoffs. And on the flip side, the skilled trades are experiencing shortages like they've never seen before. And that's not just true in automotive, healthcare, all these other places, right? As a shop owner, how do I attract, you know, the best employees? marketing, which is really just me showing the heart of my business to the world. It's just showing me showing who I am, what I'm about, what my credentials are, why my shop exists, how I feel about my community. And it's me broadcasting that message is going to get me um, a higher caliber employee. It's going to be the difference between an employee joining my shop versus you know, the dealership or shop down the road that maybe isn't doing those things, right? Because people don't just join due to salary. That's certainly a component of it. And we should be paying technicians fairly, side note. However, it it is also about the feeling that you get when you come to work and what it's like to work there and what the organization stands for and giving me a mission I can believe in. And that's ultimately what keeps you at the job as well. And so part of what we want to also backstop for for these shops is, is giving people who write service and who work in the shop the tools to talk to the customer in a way that, you know, gives them credibility and that also gives the overall shop the feeling that, that yes, this is a great place, not just for consumers, but also for the people who work here, the technicians. Our friends at RepairPal are making today's episode possible. Don't lose work to your competition. Today's consumers check pricing during all stages of the repair process, before, during, and after. Did you know that 81% of them do online price comparisons before making a purchase, and customers that check your price after they've already authorized the work do so after calling the competition? But RepairPal, the largest auto repair network, has a solution. Their fair price estimator tool can be put on your website to help you build trust with consumers up front to demystify price, help educate consumers about what's involved in the repair, bring you higher web traffic, and prevent your customers from calling your competition. You have to be in it to win it, so head on over to repairpal.com forward slash shops and set up a call to learn more about becoming RepairPal certified. When you sign up, you'll get one month of service free and save $150 off certification. That's repairpal.com forward slash shops. Well, I think that we may have just dispelled another one of the myths, right? The buzzword for today is that it brings in annoying price shoppers. And, you know, I don't know about you. I'm curious to hear what you say about this. But on our end, as the marketing team for a lot of these shops is we're doing digital ads and social media and all of the things that needs to happen, their website, their SEO to send people to the shop But there is a handoff between marketing and sales, right? So it's very important that our service advisors, which you just referenced, you're talking about, 
that our service advisors know what to do with that call when it's coming in or that form that's coming in. Because we just talked in one of our recent podcasts that even the most wealthy people, right? A lot of wealthy people got where they are because they're frugal. They're smart about how they're spending their money. I think that one thing in this conversation today that we can be addressing is changing the mindset of people thinking that it's bringing in annoying price shoppers when it it may just be that someone's trying to make the best choice and have the opportunities with regard to having choices in repairing their vehicles and that sort of thing. So what else would you say about it brings in and the annoying price shoppers? Anything to add to that? Yeah, absolutely. So so for one thing, we do see an increasing trend toward e-commerce. So right now, over 35% of accessories for the car are purchased online. And there is an increasing trend of people purchasing parts online and, and so forth. In addition to that, people are definitely doing research online. I see a lot of analogies between car repair and healthcare. And just like you might, you know, Google uh, one of the medical websites before you go see the doctor, you're going to Google things or, you know, check information for yourself before you go see the car doctor as well. And again, part of that conversation has to be centered around price because unlike in healthcare, most people do not have an insurance plan that's going to pay for all or part of that repair. It's going to come out of pocket. So price is an important part of the conversation. And I know, you know, that shops might spend an extraordinary amount of time talking to customers on the phone or potential customers over the phone that actually end up never coming into the shop because the only language they have around quality is price. And that is annoying. We want to have the conversation. We want to have the, the customer. We want the customer to understand the price quality dynamic, but really, Repair Pal is here to help with that. So that's one. Um, two, we do need to be attentive, not just to the business where it is today, where perhaps, you know, there's plenty of auto repair coming in the front door without too much effort and all of that, but also to the business of tomorrow where things are increasingly transacting online. You know, having a focus in the shop around that online customer is important. But thirdly, Repair Pal is really leaning into attempting to help. So I would say the things that we bring to shops, I don't call them leads. I call them referrals. And what's the difference? It's a referral because it's more educated. If we can talk to the customer ahead of time, we're doing some online chat, we're doing some car expert phone calls with ASE certified technicians that are on the line to help people understand not to diagnose over the phone because that is not possible in my opinion, but it's more so like a know before you go sort of concept, like what questions should you be asking the shop? What quality expectations should you have? What do good shops do? How can we inform and equip you to feel confident so that when we then say, hey, we've got a great shop in your area, Brian or Kim, let us make an appointment for you. We're already sending the customer to you without you know, you having to do that, that shuffle, that 25 minute phone call that ultimately doesn't convert. And people are going to want to engage with us sometimes up front and sometimes directly call the shop and still, you know, have that annoying price shopping conversation. But that is an important part of a competency that shops need to develop in order to be, you know, really great at, at helping customers is where they are in their decision making journey. Sometimes, you know, even though auto repair is necessary, it's also a considered purchase because it's a budget item and many people don't have the money in their budget till they get paid tomorrow, Friday or, you know, two weeks from now or whatever the case may be. And so price shopping is really just a function of I don't know where I should be going for this and I need your help. 
And it's our job as an as a collective industry to really lean in together and educate that consumer. We're totally committed to doing as much as we can um, to help. I love what you said about it being a referral and not a lead, because I think about in my own business, you know, when we have a, a lead, we can talk to that person over months and many different touches. Whereas when we get a referral, it's very often a one call close is, is you know, the way that we, we refer to it because they already trust us when they call us. And to have someone who, you know, has already had that communication with RepairPal and already trust the shop before they ever make the phone call, that's so valuable. And one of the things that I feel like people get uh, hung up on sometimes with RepairPal is that y'all do take a small percentage of that first repair. And the thing is, is marketing is expensive. We get to see, you know, what a client acquisition can cost sometimes. And when somebody who has not had, you know, that they are a lead, they've come through a Google ad or something like that, and they've clicked on that Google ad, well, they just chart, you know, it costs you money. And they may not ever become a client, but with RepairPal, when they're coming to you as a referral and not a lead, they're much more likely to become a client, and it doesn't cost them anything unless they do. To me, it's an incredibly valuable way of marketing. It's an inexpensive way of marketing your shop. Yeah, absolutely. When you brought that up, that's what perked my ears as well. Because we, when we were shop owners, we were big in B&I. Are you familiar with B&I? Business Network International. So without again going down a whole long rabbit trail or did I say that wrong? Squirrel something, no, whatever. Right. <laughs> I always screw up the sayings. <laughs> Kathleen, it's a funny joke internally and externally, I guess everybody knows it. But in B&I, so business owners pay to be a member of this small group and there can only be one, say, auto repair shop in the group or one realtor or whatever it might be. And um, it's I view it as your your weekly sales meeting and you go there and you're meeting with other business owners in the area. But the big value that you get from B&I sounds very similar to the relationship that shops have with RepairPal. And that is that if I'm in this B&I group and I learn about this business, I go out into the world, I'm now talking you up to the potential customer that you might have, somebody that I'm friends with. And I'm like, oh, you're looking for a house. I've got this realtor that I'm friends with. He's amazing. And so I then am sharing their contact information. And it's, it is a very warm, if not hot referral, which is very different from just a, a, a cold lead. So I love that you brought that into the conversation and explained that better. So when we're talking about relationships, that's something that I think some shops might also have questions about when it comes to using RepairPal is we develop relationships with other businesses in our community. So if I already have a relationship with, say, CarMax, then what benefit would it do me to then be a customer of RepairPal if I'm already developing a great relationship with that local CarMax? And, you know, because you guys have a partnership with them as well. So tell us a little bit more about that. The vast majority of our partners, and there's a couple of exceptions, but the vast majority of our partners are referring a consumer to a shop. So this isn't, you know, sort of like a fleet relationship or something along those lines. Now, local CarMax stores will reach out to other repair facilities, including dealers, because they get warranty issues and and things like that for some of the newer cars that are on their lot that, that they need partnerships with dealers for. But they will develop relationships because they're involved in two sides of the repair transaction. So one side is, oh, I've got to recondition this car, get it ready for sale. And the other side is now I've sold the car. 
customer has a, an issue and they need help also with car repair. And that's for a couple reasons. One is because there isn't a dealer out there actually that has enough capacity to service every car that they sell and CarMax is no exception. And two, the other issue is that uh, many customers are driving from pretty far away to get that car that they want, particularly right now, you know, as the used car market has blown up over the last few years. And so it may be that that store is just simply not a convenient option for them because they drove 45 minutes to get there. And you're not going to do that when your car has a major issue or it cost you a million bucks for the tow if you needed one and so forth. That's the reason why they wanted a, a repair network. So around that, while, you know, local stores will sometimes make referrals to local shops as service manager to service manager or, or what have you, has a relationship as a national program, CarMax is executing on marketing. You know, it's a matter of the shops being linked from their website. It's a matter of, you know, the welcome stream of emails they send out to new car owners and new you know, max care extended warranty policy holders and so forth. Part of that is just the integration of our network and our program into this expanded marketing program. And that, frankly, is also part of the reason why um, we charge on a per repair basis, because we are sharing revenue in many cases back with our partners as well to help them fund those marketing programs that really drive the awareness of the CarMax overall nationwide community about the presence of our shops and the presence of, you know, these individual shops in their neighborhoods. And really, you know, that's one thing that many independent shops and look, we have some shops that are associated with more well-known chains in our network as well. They've all qualified on a rooftop by rooftop basis because that's how we do it. But we do have some of those national names. But by and large, our network is comprised of, you know, Brian and Kim's auto repair, right? And names like that. You know, what Brian and Kim might not be able to do in their auto repair shop is to actually sit down with USAA, sit down with the, you know, corporate folks at CarMax, um, sit down with Consumer Reports, et cetera, and get their shop integrated into their marketing and website and and all of the, and their call centers and all the different ways that they're using to make referrals to repair pal shops. But we can do that. So I think of us, as sort of an outsourced national accounts team for the independent repair shop, where we really are helping to make these connections between major companies that have need or interest or ability to refer consumers for repair, that also have the trust of their consumers so that, you know, their brand backstopping that independent shop's brand is incredibly powerful. And then we work to make sure too that the shops have some assets and some ways that they can promote this in their local community on their own, on their own Facebook page with some, you know, CarMax specific social ads that we've developed and, and other things, um, banners, signage for both RepairPal and CarMax, that kind of thing. Um, we've really worked to create a multifaceted integrated marketing program with these companies that only shops that are participating in the program can really participate in. So it's not to say to shop owners, look, you'll never get a CarMax car if you don't participate with RepairPal. That's silly. You very well may and maybe already do. It's really more about harnessing the whole power of that and getting as many as you can, assuming that's something that you want, which look, all of our partner programs are a la carte. So if you don't want that, you could still participate in, say, our awesome roadside program, which most shops love because there's no conversion involved, really, the, until it comes time to actually sell the service for what's wrong with the car. So like the car's disabled, it gets dropped off. That's one of the easiest conversions there is, right? So you might want to participate in that program, but not participate in some of the others. And certainly that's fine. It's like a menu. You know, you can do the all-you-can-eat buffet and get every partner that we offer, or you can say, you know what, I'm going to be 
be a little picky and I'm going to stick with the salad. I'm on a diet and that's fine too. It's a great program. I can tell you, I mean, if I had a shop today, there's absolutely no doubt that I would still, you know, be involved with repair pal. It's incredible. The growth that repair pal has experienced just thinking about from when we were members and to now. So the resource that you are for shops is really kind of blowing my mind. Some of the things that I've learned from you today that I, that I really truly wasn't necessarily aware of. When we're talking about all of these different things, uh, misperceptions maybe that shops have had when it comes to maybe trying out RepairPal, I feel like we've addressed this one too, but every time I say that, you have more great nuggets to share. So the last one is really about shops feeling like nobody knows what RepairPal is. Why would I start using RepairPal or partner with RepairPal when consumers don't really know what it is? Talk a little bit about that. We have not over the years ourselves directly done a bunch of work around or invested a bunch of money in marketing RepairPal specifically to the consumer. So if I were to, you know, hightail it out of my living room here and run out into the street and flag a car down and ask that person if they'd heard of RepairPal, they might well say no. And so what we have relied on when it comes to our core business and our core website, which does get about 4 million visitors a month, um, which people are always shocked by because we don't spend a lot of money on direct marketing ourselves, is that, you know, they're finding us because of all of the content and the education that we do around consumers. Is our brand necessarily sticking in their minds when they go to our website and they get an estimate or they you know, read an article about their specific car, they're comparing a couple different kinds of cars or trying to understand, you know, in our community, whether anybody else has experienced the same issue, maybe not. Because our goal on our core website is let's get them to that, you know, repair shop that's going to be able to solve their needs um, or let's connect them to the information that they need. And we really haven't done a whole lot of work about ourselves as a layer kind of promoting ourselves. So that's something that we will work on and that we're going to invest some budget in because I think it's time for us as a company to take that to the next level. But we have really relied on the strength of our partners, many of whom, you know, have major names to do a lot of that promotion for us. And so within the the CarMax community, for example, they do studies every year or so to say what percentage of the CarMax population knows about the repair pile offering that CarMax has. How are we doing promoting it and so forth? And we've seen tremendous growth in those populations in terms of awareness and understanding and so forth. And that also happens to be where um, we have some of the best converting traffic to repair shops because now it's not just repair pal saying they're great and the shop saying they're great. We also get what I call the brand halo from, you know, these major companies that are also using um, repair pals network to refer their consumers. You know, having said that, getting the kind of eyeballs that we do and being able to create the presence that we do is helpful. And I think that we in the shops really have an opportunity to come together and educate consumers about, you know, how RepairPal helps. Because again, I think we're helpful for more parts of the transaction than just that upfront introductory piece. We can also be helpful in the selling of service. We can be helpful in the retention. We give shops a variety of assets that they can use for ongoing information sharing and promotion of their business and so forth. We have a team of customer success folks that work with shops to help them amplify their local presence. So we want to lean in in every way we can to really help our shops be as successful as we can. But having said that, like we don't run big, you know, TV ads with celebrities in them and probably never will, because I think the real heroes of the business I were in are are those um, repair facility owners. 
Well, I think back to when, you know, we were a repair pal shop, you know, repair pal was brand new at that time. We were talking before we, uh, before we started recording today and you were saying that you'll have over a million pages on your website. And that certainly didn't exist back then. The search presence that you have now compared to back then has got to be just absolutely incredible. But even back then, there was such value that came with just by having that estimator on our website. So somebody, you know, found our own shop, ended up on our website and they're looking at the estimator and it helped them to make a decision to, you know, become a, a client. So there's so many ways that RepairPal can actually help a shop, you know, even without being a household name, there's, you know, other ways that people are, you know, finding people or finding shops or becoming a client just because of that shop's association with RepairPal. Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that because actually when you do take that estimator widget and you put it on your website, what happens to that shop's natural or organic search results is that they start to ratchet up in those rankings. And part of that is because their customers are spending more time on page. There's an interactive element. It's not a shopping cart per se, but it has a similar SEO value to that cart on, you know, on Google's algorithm because it's like people are putting in inputs, they're getting back a result and they're engaging with the page. And so we've seen that happen. And again, when somebody does that with the RepairPal widget on somebody else's website, maybe they're not thinking, ooh, RepairPal, right? What they're thinking is I'm engaging with, you know, so-and-so's website. So it's really about the shop and it's about promoting the shop and making the shop the hero, which, you know, we worked really hard to do over the years. And again, as I said earlier, it's because they deserve it. You know, a lot of hard work goes into making a high quality repair shop. It is a tough business to be in really, really hard. And so um, when I joined RepairPal almost nine years ago now, it was my first foray into automotive. And so I had to get to know the shops. I had to understand what the day-to-day life was like. And you know, at this point, I've been in probably over a thousand shops you know, physically and certainly had thousands of conversations with shops and things like that over the years. And I really came to understand just how challenging the business is which again has just renewed our desire to, you know, to want to help around all these different facets that we've been chatting about today and to make sure that shops have as strong a community presence as they possibly can. Yeah, I have so much admiration for shop owners and, you know, we've talked about it with a lot of people that just the the people of the industry, they're just such great people. So, you know, you can't help but want to help them out any way that you possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not an SEO um, person. That's Social media is my world, website, SEO, that's more his world and some of our other team members. So when you started talking about that, it was music to my ears because we just had this conversation in our Facebook group where somebody was asking about, it basically boiled down to local search. And then I hear us talking about citations. And so these shops are essentially a citation. Am I saying the right Mm -hmm. word, Brian? On your website, which like you were saying, is just going to boost their rankings and and really help them to show up. So regardless of whether the general mass of consumers is aware of RepairPal, when they do a search, um, they're going to be able to find the shop because of their affiliation with you. So I love that. Do you want to add anything else? Did we miss anything? You know, you have your, we just talked before we started recording about all the, Brian and I travel a lot. Um, You do as well. So is there anything else that you hear out there that you might want to throw out here while we're on the podcast? 
Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I think the other thing that I would say is that, you know, RepairPal has a set of values that govern what we do here internally. So while we chatted earlier, I'm in Oakland, we're a San Francisco based company, but we don't think of ourselves as a tech company. I mean, really technology enables a lot of what we do and we're grateful for it, but we really want to be, and one of our values is to be a force for good in the automotive community. If there are misconceptions out there, people have questions or they want to know more about it, we're here for that. Actually, a significant chunk in terms of people resources of our business is devoted to the folks that are interacting with shops on a day-to-day basis. And I had the pleasure of leading that team for my first seven years here at RepairPal. Um, Our partner business has grown so large um, and our marketing team and some of these other efforts that we're working on that I'm actually a little bit more focused now. Um, And we've got a new leader of our shop team. However, you know, I built that team uh, person by person and interaction by interaction. And I know how extraordinarily dedicated they are to really helping. And so we want to get that input. We want to get that feedback. We want to work with shops on what their unique challenges are. We can speak in general about the shop community. But one thing I always say is for as much as like there's common themes and things that many shops are struggling with or have, you know, problems with or want to know or are feeling, um, there's also you know, we have over 3,200 shops in our network. I promise you there are 3,200 opinions. Independent shop owners is a great title for shop owners because they're the most independent thinkers. You know, I've worked with small businesses my entire career and shop owners are the most independent thinkers I've had the pleasure of working with. And so we want to help each shop, not just collectively, but individually as well. If there's something that they're struggling with, we want to hear about it. That's so good. We'd really do have an incredible industry. There are some phenomenal people. Back over the holidays, I was, you know, going through Facebook and I'm seeing you you talked about being a force for good and doing good things in the world. And there are so many automotive repair shops who are making incredible impacts in their community by being those independent thinkers and being open and aware and seeing the needs in their community. And in one community, actually Benji Burris at Frog Pond, they were doing a toy drive and helping kids in the community. And then I know Jamie Carlson and her daughter, I'm scrolling through and I have to say, I don't know if they picked up on this, but they were both doing Facebook Lives and um, at different times, but on the same day. You remember the winter storm that we just had? And it was like, I mean, I don't know how much you felt that in California, but, you know, it was pretty it's awful. and dumping rain, actually. So our version of that is that we're flooding over here. Right. Yeah, we're not falling into the ocean anymore. We're actually drowning in fresh water. <laughs> terrible. Yeah. They were experiencing like crazy, insane cold. And so I'm scrolling through and they were doing Facebook Live. And you know how you're scrolling, you just go by really fast. So I thought they were just Facebook Living about how freezing cold it was. It was like a blizzard and they were um, out in front of their shop. And so I ha-ha'd it. And then I was like, you know, something just internally was like, wait, what are they doing? So I started listening to it. I'm like, oh no, take that off of there because what they were doing was going live on Facebook and they were giving out food to people that were impacted by just the freezing weather. And I think maybe stuck in the traffic or something. I don't remember exactly, but instead of just looking around and seeing what's going on in the community and then trying to plan something, they were like, no, we're doing this today. Let's get this together. And Brian, I'll often say that done is better than perfect. And so I loved seeing all these shop owners who, you know, some were putting together elaborate 
great campaigns for the holidays. And then some were just like, hey, here's a need. Let's attack it. And um, with all of that being said, I wanted to just throw out a couple of things about you that, you know, we were talking about the introduction and we're talking about bios and stuff like that. And I'm like you when we teach classes all the time, they often will read our bios and I'm like, please don't do that. I'd really rather if you just didn't do that. And it's funny to me that when I read your bio, because even though we're not like close friends, I certainly know you and I know of you and we've been at a lot of the same conferences together. And it seems like anytime someone mentions your name, a couple of things always come up. And it is that you are a woman of action, that you are powerful when it comes to the whole idea of mentoring. That's super important to you. I've seen that in women in auto care, but also that you are the hardest working woman in auto care. And I love what you're doing with that organization. And I'm just proud of you. And I just want to say that I was honored to spend time with you today. And thank you for sponsoring our podcast and for giving us your time today. Yes, thank you. Oh my gosh, Kim. (laughs) Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I never want to miss out on an opportunity. I never want to miss out on the opportunity, especially to serve others due to lack of activity on my part. So that is honestly what what drives me and I appreciate it. And look, if we want to be closer friends, let's be closer friends. I would actually love that. (laughs) Then you can say we're best friends on the next time that we chat on one of these things, that would be fun. I am going to miss you at the next Women in Auto Care. I keep trying to get to it. I don't know if you know this, but we I was super involved in women, the Car Care Council Women's Board, which I think was the predecessor for Women in Auto Care, actually. So I've wanted to get back involved in that for a long time, but I feel like there's always something else that we had already like committed to. So I will get back over there trying to be involved at the best that I can, but I just see what you're doing and it's a, it's really a great thing. So, yep. If someone wants to get in touch with y'all at RepairPal uh, or in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously on our website at repairpal.com, we've got a four shops area. So if someone wants to, you know, sign up, see what this RepairPal thing is all about, they can certainly reach out there. Um, We also have information on reaching our customer success team. There's a variety of different ways that, that shops can get information all of our customers have a dashboard and, and in there, they have lots of information, including our shop resource center. If someone wants to get a hold of me, certainly I'm very responsive by email. It can be hard to catch me on the phone because I'm already always on either the Zoom or the phone or you know one of these kinds of conversations. But if you want to email me, it's very simple. It's Kathleen at RepairPal.com. And I'm usually pretty on top of my email, even when I'm you know running around or or on planes or, or wherever I happen to be. Um, and I'd be happy to talk with anybody, you know, that has questions or at the very least I can get people to the right spot. I don't know everything, but I know who does. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's my skill. So I'd be happy to do that and to chat with, you know, any of your audience members that might have questions for me. And it sounds like also I need to join your Facebook group because I heard some really cool conversations that are happening there that I think I could probably contribute to. So I'll, uh, I'll connect with you about that after this. Yep, absolutely. It is the Auto Repair Marketing Mastermind on Facebook. Ooh, (laughs) what a great name. (laughs) Well, thank you again for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Look, the shop owners out there, if you are not part of RepairPal's network, you need to look into it and become a RepairPal shop. 
to our listeners. We appreciate you listening. We are just one podcast that is part of the Aftermarket Radio Network. There are some other great podcasts on the network. You can find them all at aftermarketradionetwork.com. We look forward to uh, you listening again next week. And until then, go fill those bays. You've been listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Follow the podcast on your favorite listening app. Find their emails in the show notes and visit them at shopmarketingpros.com. Let Kim and Brian know what you want discussed because they're all about advancing the aftermarket.